All right, so we are in chapter 50 of Genesis. And uh, at the very end of chapter 49, Jacob dies, right? Jacob dies. And it's sort of, it's sort of the end of the story. Uh, you know, Jacob's death, the death of the third and final patriarch. And, uh, and basically, uh, the Joseph story has, uh, for all intents and purposes, has completed itself. Uh, but we're not quite done. Chapter 50 uh, has two parts, two very important parts. The first part is about the burial of Jacob. And then the last part is sort of the uh, what happens at the end of the story with Joseph and his brothers. And both of them play significant roles in what the purpose of Genesis is about and sort of gives a trajectory uh, to, the, uh, to the future. When you think about the, uh, the book of Genesis, Genesis serves uh, several different uh, purposes in the Bible. One, it's the first book of the Bible, right? So we learn about, if we were sitting around the table and I said, what is Genesis about? Clearly, uh, the book of beginnings, right? We would hear, certainly, yes, the book of beginnings. Uh, it's about creation, yep, at the beginning of it. It's about the formation of the family of Israel. Yes, that is the bulk of it. Uh, there are many uh, moral lessons to learn. Yep, that's true. A lot of a great applications. So it's all true. But on a larger, uh, in a larger setting, part of the larger meta story, the complete story of the Bible, it serves as an introduction to everything else that, that comes after it. And not just in terms of, well, the doctrine of salvation and, you know, who God is and, and those things, but the narrative, the story itself plays a very important role. The way that we read about the calling of Israel, which is really what Genesis is about, is a very important part of what goes on in Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy and the prophets and the wisdom literature and the gospels and uh, the book of Acts, the letters and the book of Revelation. It serves as an introduction to all of it. So part of uh, when we're reading uh, about the children of Israel, we're reading about a trajectory of what's going to happen. And, and we see that the life, certainly in, in uh, the 13 chapters, the biggest part of the story is the story of Joseph. It's the largest complete narrative in the book of Genesis. Uh, we read more about Joseph than Abraham and Isaac combined. Well, and for that matter, Jacob in his, most of his life anyway, uh, combined. Uh, and the reason for that is because it's not really just the story of Joseph. It's the story of the 12 sons of Jacob. And that's what you read. You, go, you can read in the first two verses of uh, chapter 37 of Genesis that this is about the, this, the, the 12 sons uh, of Jacob. And like many ancient genealogies, it's told in the form of a story. And the story is the story of, of Joseph. But as you know from reading it, we learn a lot about the whole family when we're uh, reading the story of, of Joseph. So at the end, uh, we learn here in chapter 50 uh, something about the trajectory of Israel. 
Something at the very end of the story, sort of like chapter 50 is, is, is clearly not just the end of the, the Joseph story, but it's, a, it's the end of the book of Genesis, see? Uh, and so it's telling us something else besides just exactly what happens in the text. It's telling us something about the trajectory of Israel and the plan of God. Okay, so the first question is, well, first we're going to read, we're going to read the first uh, 14 verses, 14 verses of Genesis 50. So I guess I should start, as is the, my custom, let's start in chapter 49, uh, in verse 33. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now 40 days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. And when the days of mourning for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will return. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the household of Joseph, and his brothers, and his father's household. And they left only their little ones and their flocks and their herds in the land of Goshen. There also went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation. And he observed seven days mourning for his father. Now when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, this is grievous mourning for the Egyptians. Therefore it was named Avel Mitzrayim, which is beyond the Jordan. Thus the sons of Israel did for him as he had charged them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field for a burial site from Ephron the Hittite. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. And so we have this long story. For a burial story, this is a pretty long story of uh, the burial of, uh, of Jacob. Remember that we, uh, we've said previously that the best years of Jacob's life were the last years of his life. Now, he was 147 when he died, so you have a long way to go, okay? All right. His best years were his last years. And now that he has died, he still receives uh, honor. I mean, this is a this is a very honorable thing that is uh, that's taking place. It's not like 
uh, Jacob, uh, you know, was with his children, all of his sons and his grandchildren, and you know, uh, and the and his family is saved from the famine. So it was a great experience for him. But even in his death, he receives blessing uh, from the people around him. Okay. Now, you know, burial practices of the ancient people tell us a lot about them. In Genesis, we see very clearly that death played an important role in the life, uh, in the life of the pe- of the people. Right. In fact, and the name of one Torah portion is called Chayasara. Chayasara. It comes from the chapter where it says, and, and the life, uh, it says the life of Sarah. That's what it, literally what it is, the life of Sarah. And if you read it in the text, it, it, it's the life of Sarah was so many years and then she died. <laughs> so it's actually about the death of Sarah. But the name of the portion is called the life of Sarah. So it, it kind of reminds us of that, that, um, you know, in the Bible, and especially here in these narratives in Genesis, we see that death is part of the life cycle of life and that death is honored. And so I think, you know, that's, that in and of itself is a, you know, is a, uh, is, is a message. Uh, we read about the death and burial of Abraham, uh, of Isaac, uh, of Sarah, and others. And now here, Jacob, and then at the very end, Joseph. And it's no small thing. In fact, I, we read more about the death of, of Jacob, certainly, than Joseph. Joseph gets a couple of lines. Uh, Abraham and Isaac, the same. But a good piece at the end of the story is about the burial of uh, Jacob. And we'll talk more about that, why it might be so long in a, in a little while. But you see here, one thing we learn from this text is the honor that children give their parents when they die. And we see that, you know, at the, when uh, Abraham dies, Ishmael and Isaac come together. Uh, when Isaac dies, uh, Jacob and Esau uh, come together. And, uh, and, and we saw, of course, uh, how much Abraham loved Sarah. That's when he buys the, the land, uh, buys the cave, right? Uh, to bury Sarah. So we see that there's great care given to burying loved ones and caring for loved ones uh, when they die. And that, of course, is uh, a very important part of, uh, of the Jewish world uh, today. Uh, burial practices are very important in the Jewish uh, uh, community. When a person dies, people from the community or loved ones stay with the body all the way until uh, the burial uh, and uh, the uh, one of the holiest things uh, done at, at a Jewish funeral uh, at the cemetery is taking the shovel uh, and taking the uh, dirt and throwing the dirt on top of the casket in the hole. Uh, we're called to bury our, our loved ones, and uh, this is like a supreme honor. And uh, often today what's done is I mean, I remember when I was little, watching for a long time, you know, a couple of relatives burying their parents, you know. But now it's, uh, it's sort of like uh, all the relatives and then people that knew the person or everybody present 
participates. And that's kind of a, I think that's a very nice communal uh, way of, uh, of honoring, you know, of, of honoring a, uh, a loved one. It's a tribute, a, a, a spiritual, a wholesome act. When people ask me about it, I like to say it's, kind of, it's like a priestly act, you know, caring for, caring for uh, elderly parents, uh, loving them in that way. Uh, and, and then after they pass, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the burial. And some of the things that we'll see here in this passage uh, are done to this day, and others are not. And we'll, uh, we'll understand a little, bit, uh, a little bit why that is. Okay, so now let's take a look at this a little bit uh, uh, close, closer. So we see Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. So certainly uh, there's a lot of focus on Joseph and his relationship to Jacob, right? Uh, the brothers also, but this unique relationship uh, that Joseph had with Jacob and Jacob had with Joseph. And so he weeps, right? We see that he weeps. We see that there's great lamenting farther on down, you know? And so it, it teaches us something about mourning and that it's okay to weep and cry and mourn. Uh, certainly uh, that is a healthy uh, way of experiencing sadness and grief uh, and death. Now, something that we might, if you know anything about Jewish customs, you might find kind of surprising, right? And Joseph uh, commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now, 40 days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming, and the Egyptians wept for him uh, 70 days. So if you uh, look up all the places where you read about embalming, it's all in Genesis chapter 50. And so it's Jacob and Joseph. Okay, so we might say, well, wait a minute. If there's one thing I know about Jewish funerals and Jewish people is that the funeral takes place very soon, like the next day, or if there's some extenuating circumstances, maybe two days later. And we don't embalm people. So how could Jacob be embalmed and Joseph be, uh, be embalmed? Okay. Well, first, uh, there is actually no Torah command regarding it. Okay. So it's not like they broke the, the law of God. Uh, but one thing that Jacob and Joseph have in common, that you don't read about the patriarch, any other patriarchs or even later on in Jewish history, is that they are in a foreign land when they die. They're in Egypt when they die. They're not in Canaan. They're not in the promised land. Okay. Uh, now, there is uh, several reasons and observations we could make. One reason to embalm uh, uh, Jacob is because it was going to take time, same thing with Joseph, it was going to take time to get to the, uh, to the place of burial. And so there was a practical issue of transporting over a long period of time. But I think it teaches us something really interesting uh, about, uh, about culture and even Jewish culture. You know, when, we, uh, when I meet with our uh, kids who are going to have their B'nai uh, mitzvahs, B'nai Avraham, uh, we go through a Jewish history book. 
And this Jewish history book is not just telling history, but it is showing how throughout history, Jewish people have adapted to where uh, we have lived uh, in order to survive. And it is very interesting uh, how that those adaptations take place. Uh, and how much you adapt and how much you don't, and is it good or is it not good? And so it's really very, very interesting. Uh, and uh, so here, one of the things that we learn here uh, is that when you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph, Joseph has uh, a few ways that he adapted to life in Egypt, right? He had an Egyptian name. He had an Egyptian wife, you know? Uh, and loved and revered by the Egyptian people, okay? And so this issue of uh, being embalmed uh, is just, he was in Egypt, and this is what happens. Now, you know, something interesting is the, uh, the Egyptian word, not the Hebrew word, but the Egyptian word uh, for being embalmed is also the word for wrapping bandages, like a person being mummified, you know? So it's kind of interesting, makes you wonder, uh, what actually happened to Jacob uh, back here, you know? Uh, was, he, uh, was it just being embalmed or mummified? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, but it's just very interesting that you see this kind of uh, adaptation. Anyway, so there, there we are. So it took 40 days to do it. And then it says, the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. Now that's interesting. Most understand it to be 70 days total which means that there'd be another 30 days. So that 30-day period is kind of interesting uh, because uh, we read that Aaron was mourned for 30 days, Moses was mourned for 30 days, and in Judaism today, the first 30 days after a loved one dies, especially a parent, is a very unique period of time. Yes, we, have the, we all know the seven days of Shiva, you know, but... Included in that is uh, 30 days altogether, where you don't, sell, you don't have celebrations and, and, and a variety of other, other traditions. And then there's, of course, uh, a year-long mourning period uh, as, as well. So sort of like 7, 30, and a year. So interesting here that, um, uh, that we see this extra 30, 30 days. Uh, now, there's something else about that, that uh, kings in ancient Egypt, pharaohs, were mourned for a little over 70 days. And so here, Jacob is mourned for 70 days, uh, in a sense, perhaps treated uh, as royalty. Because that's another thing about embalming. Not everybody got embalmed, but royalty was embalmed. And so it was a very significant thing for Jacob. Uh, and as this whole passage plays out, we see uh, just uh, how significant uh, this, this is. So after these uh, 70 days take place, now uh, Joseph asks if he can bring his father to Canaan. And it's kind of interesting because the people, uh, uh, by, leaving, by leaving Egypt, wow, they, they could have escaped, you, you know, but uh, they go for the express purpose of burying, uh, burying Jacob. And Pharaoh is moved. See, it is interesting that he had to ask. Uh, he had to ask. They, they, uh, while we don't read that they were enslaved here, 
they couldn't, they had to ask if he could bring his father to Canaan. Okay? So that's kind of interesting. So he explains why. He gives a reason why. Right? In verse 5, my father made me swear, saying, behold, I am about to die in my, uh, I'm about to die in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. He doesn't say anything about the cave. He doesn't say anything about uh, Abraham and Isaac. He doesn't say anything about the promise of God or anything like that. Just my father made me swear that uh, I would return him and bury him, in, you know, in his burial uh, plot. And Pharaoh uh, seems to be taken by the fact that okay, you promised, and so go ahead and uh, uh, and take him to uh, uh, Canaan. Right? So, because that's what Pharaoh says. Go up and bury your father as he made you swear. Okay? Keep your promise. All right. So now we see this entourage that, that goes. It's not only uh, Joseph. It's not only Joseph and his brothers, but it's Joseph and his brothers and their families and the elders of Egypt and, uh, you know, and all kinds of other people uh, as well. Uh, as we read, they all went. And it even talks about chariots and horsemen, a very great company. Now, some people uh, might say, and perhaps so, that, that it was such a great company because the Egyptians wanted to make sure they came back. But it says later on that they were all lamenting. They were all weeping over uh, Jacob. So uh, Jacob made quite the impression. Now, there's something else that's kind of interesting, uh, the route that they took. So it says in verse 10 that they make a stop along the way. So it's like the, the funeral of uh, Jacob is in two parts. First, they go to the threshing floor of Atad. And the question is, where is the threshing floor of Atad? Right? Uh, it just says, beyond the Jordan. Beyond the Jordan. I could make a, a, some great statements about visiting Israel and people picking places where things are, but I'll refrain from that, okay, which is beyond the Jordan. Okay, so, uh, and they stop there, and they stay there seven days mourning, and so seven days, like, like Shiva, they, they mourn for seven days, so it's kind of interesting, right? Now, the Canaanites notice this mourning and this lamenting, they you know, they were weeping loudly, and the, the Egyptians were weeping loudly, and the Canaanites notice that the Egyptians are weeping loudly. And so they named it Avel Mitzrayim, uh, which is beyond, uh, the, uh, which is beyond the, the, uh, the, the Jordan. Okay? Uh, the mourning of Egypt. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Mourning of Egypt. Okay? Avel Mitzrayim. Okay. So just a couple of things about where this might be. And just to show you the differences of opinion that people have on this. So when it says that, you know, they're coming out of Egypt, and if they're coming out of Egypt, then it says beyond the Jordan, that means it's east of the Jordan. And so that would mean kind of like the wilderness wanderings. Uh, you know, that they were, they're coming from, notice, well, all you need is the line, you know, you draw a map of Israel. Anyway, so Egypt is down here. Right? So they go all the way to the Jordan and maybe on the other side. Now, the problem on the other side is, generally speaking, the Canaanites were not on the other side. Okay? 
So, okay, somewhere around the Dead Sea. That's what a lot of people do. Somewhere around the Dead Sea, okay? They stop there, and they mourn for seven days. Then they go to Hebron, right? So they then it's sort of like making a U-turn. And then they come back. Now, they don't come all the way. It's not on the other side. It's not all the way to the Mediterranean. I mean, it's, it's you know, what it's today called the West Bank, right? So you have, they go to Hebron. So they kind of make this long turn. Why they stop there, nobody's quite sure, all right? Now, but to tell you the difference of opinion, there are others who would say that the other side of the Jordan is just a euphemism for being in Canaan and that it's somewhere south of Gaza. So if you look at a map of Israel, those are completely different locations, completely different parts of the country, right? Uh, and these are, you know, scholars figuring this out, so we don't exactly know where it is. So I just spent that time telling you that we really don't know where that is. All right? Okay. Uh, but the point is, is that they stop there and the uh, Canaanites uh, uh, notice this great weeping and mourning for, uh, for Jacob. Okay. So then it says in verse 12, Thus the sons of Israel did for him as he had charged them. What, what he wanted, what, what Jacob wanted, his sons did. They honored their father in his death. Then it says, For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan, buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field for a burial site from Ephron the Hittite. And then it says, And after he had buried his father, uh, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. So they, they return. So there's the story. We see the, the honor that the sons and all of Egypt uh, give to Jacob. But what role does it play? Why is it so long? Uh, you would think that you know what we read about Abraham would be that long, or what we read about uh, Joseph uh, would be that long. But we read it here about Jacob. And so the question might be, uh, why? All right. So Jacob, just like Joseph, and remember that the story of Joseph is the story of the sons of Jacob, that Joseph and Jacob serve as a a paradigm or a, a model of the history of the Jewish people, like in miniature. And you know how we talk about that. Uh, we talk about how not only in the near history where they, they, they go to Egypt, right? And then, uh, you know, and then Jacob is buried, uh, back in Canaan, kind of like, uh, coming out of, you know, in the, um, in the, um, uh, the slavery of Egypt and coming out of the, the slavery of, of Egypt. And we talk about how God called Israel to be a blessing to the nations. Right, and so throughout history, Israel is a blessing to the nations, uh, and we see it in microcosm here. We see it in miniature, right here. You know, in uh, in Joseph uh, going to uh, going to Egypt, uh, but we could say that in the life of uh, in the life of Jacob, we see the overall a future history of Israel. Uh, in miniature, going into exile and returning from exile. And all of the stories of exile 
are moving forward to the ultimate redemption from exile. In the, you know, the Jewish people from the four corners of the earth returning to Eretz Yisrael and, and uh, with Messiah being, uh, being, the, being the king. And so in the return, see, and it's kind of interesting the way, it, the way you read it, that so Jacob returns from exile and is buried in Eretz Yisrael. But you know what's also interesting is that the Egyptians accompany uh, the Israelites in returning to Eretz Yisrael, in returning to the land. And so it's very interesting that later on in history, uh, we read promises and prophetic utterances of a return of Israel, uh, a return of the sons of Jacob uh, to the land. And so here we see the, the concept of going into exile and returning from exile. Uh, and that obviously uh, is a big part of, uh, of Israel's is a big part of Israel's uh, history. Another aspect in the book of Genesis here, not only thinking of this as uh, the beginning of the beginning of a long list of promises of exile and return, because remember, this is the end of Genesis. Remember what the end of Deuteronomy is all about? The end of Deuteronomy is all about exile and return. Exile and return. How does Moses encourage the people uh, just before they enter the land? I know what you're like. You're going to enter the land. You're going to forget all about God. And eventually you're going to go into exile. But remember that God is still with you and ultimately you'll return. That's basically what you read about at, at the end of Deuteronomy. And here, Jacob goes to Egypt, Jacob uh, returns. But something else is here, and that is something that we read all the way through from, from the beginning to the end, and that is God's faithfulness for the land. God's faithfulness for the land. Here, Israel is out of the land. They've, they've, God has given them this land, and they leave the land. In order to survive, it's kind, of a, it's kind of ironic. They have to leave the land in order to survive. They go, they go to Egypt. And so by the time you get to the end of the story, there's no, they're not in the promised land. And so by Jacob saying, bury me in the cave. Bury me with you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Sarah, and Leah. Uh, bury me there. Bury me in the land of, uh, of Canaan. He is reminding his family and reminding all of us in the way this is written out that Eretz Yisrael is still the promised land. That, that is still the promised land. Don't bury me here in Egypt. This is not my people. This is not my place. Bury me where we belong. And that's what we read ultimately about Joseph, you know, uh, as well. So at the end of Genesis, we have this great reminder uh, that the land, of the importance of the land, uh, and that it is the promised land, and it is where uh, Jacob is buried, uh, and the honor uh, uh, given, uh, you know, given to Israel. And so all in all, it kind of reminds us of the trajectory uh, of, uh, of, the, of the future. Now, when you go to the New Covenant, very, very quickly, in Luke chapter 1, 
It's kind of interesting here because obviously along the way we learn a lot about what's going, about the context of this great return and of, uh, uh, and of the end of the exile. We learn a lot that's not in uh, Jacob's uh, uh, burial, right? So in Luke chapter 1, we learn, well, what, one of the things that, we, I should say it like this, one of the things that we learn all the way from Jacob's last words to Judah, all the way through the Tanakh, is that in this return, Israel returns with a, with a king. Israel has a messianic king. They don't just return to the land, but there's a messianic king uh, in the land. That's why, by the way, we might say, well, Israel has returned to the land today. Today, in 2000, uh, what year is it? 2019. Right? In 1948, Jewish people, you know, the, the land of Israel. It is not the fulfillment. That is not the fulfillment. Might be part of it, might be part of the unfolding of it, but not until the Messiah is the king in Yerushalayim and Jewish people from around the world are there. It's not done. It's not a done deal yet. It's still in process. Okay? But we see the beginning of the end in the coming of Yeshua, right? Uh, and what do we read here? Uh, when Mary is afraid uh, and doesn't know what's going on, you know, with, with her, uh, the angel Gabriel says, and behold, you will, con verse 31, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Yeshua. And he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. But then it says, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. He will reign under the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And so the return of Jacob to be buried in the land is a reminder of the future of Jacob, the future of the sons of Jacob living in the land, and that there will be the king uh, who will rule over the sons of Jacob forever a son of Jacob himself, right? Uh, the, uh, the Messiah. And so we have in the end of uh, a Genesis, this great uh, move forward. And, you know, it says in uh, Zechariah, uh, the prophet Zechariah in the 12th chapter, about that return, Israel will be dwelling in the land, of course, we read, and then it says in verse 8, And in that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the one who is feeble among them in that day will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. And it will come about in that day that I will set about to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem, and I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look upon me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. And so again, we, uh, we see uh, here uh, this, uh, this moment, uh, we might say, of, of uh, victory, of the return of the Messiah. Uh, and, uh, and kind of interestingly enough, mourning. Isn't that kind of interesting? kind of like the mourning of Jacob, the mourning over the one whom they have pierced. Uh, and uh, so again, this reminder of Messiah coming to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem. 
And so at the end of this little section here, the takeaway for us is that God keeps his promises, right? God keeps his promises. He, he uh, promised that land uh, uh, to uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so that they would have a place to glorify God and be a testimony to the nations, right? Uh, at the end of Jacob's life, uh, we're all reminded that that is indeed the promised land. And ultimately, we will see the people uh, go, enter the land and go into exile, right? And then leave the land uh, and, of course, uh, go into exile again. And we know that the exile is still not over. The exile is not over. And that is very important. It ends when the Lord returns. Uh, and so this portion of the end of Genesis reminds us, indeed, like it says in the beginning of Philippians, he who began this good work in you will continue it to the day of Messiah Yeshua. Uh, and uh, this great work that God began uh, continues, indeed, uh, to this day. And so we can find encouragement. Uh, we can find great encouragement in that. Uh, let's pray. Lord God, thank you that your promises are true. Lord, thank you, God, that in this passage we see something about uh, the relationship of family and the importance of, of family uh, and the importance of, uh, of uh, burial rituals expressing love and, you know, and care uh, for our loved ones, Lord, and the reminder that death is a part of the life cycle, uh, Lord. And uh, God, thank you that though in the bigger picture, uh, the death of Jacob and his burial reminds us of your calling upon the sons of Jacob to inhabit the promised land. Lord, uh, we thank you, God, that in your, uh, you know, in uh, your working out of history, uh, the Jewish people have indeed returned to the land. The sons of Jacob have come back. But Lord, we do look forward to the day when uh, the story is complete. Uh, for Lord, it's kind of like uh, as we read about in, in Ezekiel 37, that you have the bones rattling, shaking, and a body coming together. But Lord, we pray for life in that body. We pray for, uh, for our people to embrace Yeshua, the Messiah, Lord, so that there can be a resurrection of the body uh, of God. And so, God, we thank you uh, that in your providence, uh, we have indeed returned, just as Jacob returned. Uh, and, uh, and Lord, we do indeed look forward to that day when that picture of Jacob being returned to Israel has its complete fulfillment when Messiah Yeshua comes uh, and sits on his throne in Jerusalem. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.